This is Mind Your Mornings with Anna Chandy, a fortnightly podcast that takes you on the journey to a brave new you. Hello and welcome to the fourth season of Mind Your Mornings. With three seasons behind us, we've come a long way. Three seasons of discovery, learning and conversations. What started as reflections has grown into a small community of us. People eager to reflect on the human mind and the many ways of being. We are excited to have you with us as we make the journey to be stronger together. Hello, I am Anushka, your host for the season. We've got some exciting episodes lined up in the season. Conversations with clients, personal journeys, and deep dives into the concepts of the mind. Let's get started as we peel away the layers holding us back from being our authentic self. Today, let's talk about grief. Often described as the darkness in the mind, the bottommost pit of feelings, the heavy cloud that we carry with us, grief, an emotion most of us are familiar with. An emotion we are encouraged to move on with time, but an emotion that does not have a deadline. We've heard of the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. While they are arranged linearly, we don't always feel them that way because grief does not follow a pattern. Grief is fluid. Grief often comes with loss, the loss of a loved one, a place of belonging, or a relationship that is special. These are the situations where we understand grief and we make space for it. But there are other situations, other kinds of grief that we don't recognize. Those emotions are confusing, not just to the world, but sometimes even to us. Let's get to know grief better. Today, we have two special guests who will discuss and share their thoughts on grief. We have Manisha, a TA counselor, working towards her international certification with the Anna Chandy and Associates team. A truly global person, Manisha has spent many years across many countries. She brings insights from different cultures and her many experiences. With her, we have Monisha. Monisha is Manisha's client. She has been seeing Manisha for the last six months. Hi, Manisha. Hi, Monisha. Lovely to have you here with us. Hi, Anushka. Hey. Hi, Anushka. Lovely to be here. Good to be back. Absolutely. Can't wait to get this conversation started. Uh, thank you, Monisha, for joining us today and for being willing to share your journey with us. Most welcome. I'm glad. Like I said, glad to be here. Thank you. Um, Manisha, in the last couple of months, you and me both have been confronted with a strange kind of grief. Can you give us some perspective on grief? What has been the thinking? What can we learn from the greatest minds of the last century? So I think what you're uh, saying was a, is a really great starting off point. We have had our own form of grief that we've all been processing uh, within the organization. And that led me to wanting to explore grief and understand it uh, better. So, of course, you know, the great minds of, of the last century, as you put it, uh, the Elizabeth Kubler-Rosses of the world with her five stages of grief. 
Um, we've uh, explored all sorts of different things on our Instagram handle, from Freud to John Bowlby and his um, four different steps of going through grief. And there's a, a famous doctor, Dr. William Warden from Harvard's uh, child uh, bereavement study, who also spoke about, spoke about these different tasks that we go through. And I think whether you take each individual theory, you blend it, um, you make it your own, however you're processing your grief, grief is individual and as unique as each individual person. So no one is going to process grief in the same way. Um, it's not about, you know, spiraling through these four steps or five steps or whatever it is. It's really about taking what you need in that moment and understanding and normalizing that what you're feeling is really appropriate and okay to feel and um, important to name it and kind of process it. And I think that's why all these models have such importance is not that we need to go one by one through each step, but to really acknowledge that we're feeling um, what we're feeling, what, what is it, how do we name it, and then how do we process that, that feeling. I think for me, what is probably apparent um, is the ambiguous grief and the anticipatory grief that is less named and less processed. Often when we talk about grief, it's about, you know, someone's passed away and we need to grieve that. Um, I grew up, as you know, as a third culture child. My mom's English. My dad's Indian. I was born in Germany. I've lived in plenty of countries and cities so far. And each time we moved, there was a need for me to name that grief and process it. And often we were, you know, repatriating to one of my parents' countries and they probably were quite happy to be going home and weren't thinking perhaps about what it is to really grieve the loss of this old lifestyle or, or a place or a time. And so anticipatory grief, I remember um, one, of, one of the processes of grief that I had and it replayed sort of 30 years later with my son was, you know, being a seven or eight year old sitting on my mom's lap in Texas and sobbing and saying, I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go. And my mom, her voice breaking and saying, you know, where, where should I take you? Tell me where home is and I'll take you there. And it was such an upsetting conversation because I didn't feel grounded and centered. And even my mom was a bit confused by it. And, you know, 30 years later, I could experience what it was to be the mother and have my son feeling those very similar emotions. Um, he benefited in that I had experienced that. And so we were able to talk about it and name it and, and really grieve that process. But it's those ambiguous moments that um, are less acknowledged and um, less kind of tended to. And they're as important. Um, there's so many instances of, you know, new job or new city, um, new group of friends, loss of faith. There could be so many uh, more nuanced pieces in our lives where grief is appropriate. And often we're not uh, given the permission or we feel like we need to be brave and be strong to get through it. And we don't actually um, process what we're feeling at that time. So it's important, I think, to acknowledge that grief is something that comes up in so many different areas of our lives. It's not just about the loss of a loved one or, um, you know, a situation It comes up in many, many different areas. And I think that's where naming that ambiguous grief 
Um, I've had to do that with, you know, the, the diagnosis of my brother as a schizophrenic and having to grieve the loss of, you know, this brother that I grew up with, or um, more recently with my father developing dementia and, and grieving that, you know, I'm never going to have this perfect relationship that I always dreamed of having with him. Um, and that it, there is going to be more loss than gain in that relationship now. So there's a lot of anticipation that comes around that kind of grieving as well. And I think that's the part um, that perhaps today we, we would be looking at a little bit more. Thank you, Manisha. Um, you know, as you were talking, I realized I have never really heard this term ambiguous grief or anticipatory grief um, for that matter. But as you were describing it, um, it actually... Um, gave meaning to me because I've experienced it in my own life. Um, my mother had a, a critical illness and we almost lost her. And uh, she's still in stages of recovery. But again, there are moments where, uh, you know, I really feel that my mother, as I knew her, may not be coming back. Um, so I think it's, it's a very interesting topic. And I think, uh, you know, even... Um, when a friend of mine, actually her dog was uh, diagnosed with cancer. So I think she's feeling anticipatory grief, right? But again, I, I don't think that I've ever heard these labels being put to these different kinds of grief, other than loss of someone, as you mentioned. So we have a lot to unpack today. Monisha, Manisha, I leave it both. I leave it up to you. Thanks, Anushka. Um... Manisha, just to get a little bit of context and some understanding, can you share a little bit about yourself, your background, your history, and maybe, um, you know, what brought you to therapy? Sure. Hi, hi, Mani, uh, Manisha. Sure. So um, I'm 37, single. Um, I've lived in, I mean, I've lived and grown up across India. I've lived and worked and studied abroad as well, you know, Singapore and London. Um I've been very blessed. I have a wonderful family. I've grown up with my mom, dad, younger sister, and my grandmoms live with us for a majority of my adult life. Um, and yeah, so I mean, you know, so just, you know, there's nothing more really to add over there. But, you know, what I think what started, what's when things really started to go wrong a couple of years ago, my mom was diagnosed with a with progressive lung disease. Um, I want to say this is about nine to 10 years ago, nearly a decade. And uh, my grandmom started having a series of strokes about four years ago. So suddenly four years ago, you know, we had my mom you know, reaching an advanced stage of the disease. We had my grandmom falling sick, becoming immobile, becoming more dependent on us. And that really started my journey as, you know, a bit of a caregiver, a, a bit of a helpless witness to, you know, the, these people that I love more than anything else in the world suffering and, uh, you know, suffering so much and there really being no solution in sight. And, you know, so this just progressively started happening about, uh, yeah, like I said, about four years ago. And, um, and, you know, I always thought I was dealing with everything very well. We had our ups, we had our lows. Um, and I always thought, I said, you know what, and everyone around me, you know, be like, oh, you know, you're always so positive and, you know, we don't know how you managed to do it all. You know, you still work, you're still socializing, you're still making time for other, you know, other things in your life. And, you know, we don't know how you do it. And I'd, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, I, I manage it. I do it. I'm fine. And suddenly, you know, in la uh, it was last September when I, it was a seemingly innocuous thing. I had gone over to see a very good friend who had just had a baby. And um, 
And, you know, while I was sitting there, you know, it was a happy atmosphere, you know, while we were there, her mom walked in and, you know, her mom had stuff for the babies, her mom had stuff for her and, you know, everyone was happy and laughing and I had a really good afternoon and and when I came back that evening, um, I was sitting alone at home and watching TV and, you know, suddenly something triggered me and I just started crying and it took me a long time to figure out what had happened and what went wrong and it was essentially in that moment that it hit me that you know these are simple things that i wanted as i was growing up you know i wanted a fam i wanted a family of my own i wanted my own child i wanted my mom to be a part of it and suddenly sitting in that moment i it suddenly hit me that you know this is not happening this may not happen and i think that's what triggered that weekend long uh, that weekend long episode uh, i just couldn't stop crying and it was at the end of it, you know, Monday that I suddenly stopped and I said, you know what, I can't carry on. This is clearly something that I'm not dealing with very well. And and that's how I landed up at your doorstep, Manisha. So it's been um, about six or seven months now. And that's right. I know initially there was the idea of creating space for yourself, taking a sabbatical from work. Um, talk to me a little bit about that, how you made that space, how you um, started to process where you're at and, and what you're you're doing. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, when we started talking, Manisha, like, and the term anticipated grief is something that I heard from you for the first time. And I learned that a lot of what I was feeling and, you know, the anxieties that I had within me were all associated with exactly that, with anticipated, you know, anticipatory grief and the fear of losing my parent, my grandparent, um, you know, sort of life changing for me. And I identify with what you said, you know, about having that relationship with your with your father and feeling like it's never going to be the same again. And I think that's what was happening to me. It was a fear of not having the same level of dependency on my mom, who I'm very close to, um, of not having that, you know, not having a long term vision anymore in terms of where our life was going to be. And 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 I think for me, therapy and working with you was was a lot of dealing with that and being at peace with myself and realizing that you know I am strong enough within myself to deal with it um and and the ways and there are different ways and I that I can do that and one of those things that we worked on and, and you know eventually really helped me was my need when I realized that I just needed to give myself some more breathing space to give myself some more time to um, just be by myself uh, to be with my mom because not spending enough time with her was also making me deeply anxious. And that sort of, you know, led me to working through my feelings and, and telling myself that it was okay to step back and, you know, in, in this case, step back from work, uh, get, free up some more time in my life to deal with what was important. Um, and for me, I think that, that today, I, it's been four months since I took my sabbatical. Um, it's been life-changing. Um, and the ability, to, and, and, and I think, for me, a one key breakthrough is in one of our sessions when you said, you know, what do you need to do to give yourself, you need to, what, what do you have to do to give yourself permission to do it? Because I was feeling so guilty and so overwhelmed when I recognized that I needed that break. And yeah, I think for me, that was just one of the biggest, um, the biggest outcomes and of our conversations together. I think it was really apparent at the beginning um, just how anxious you were feeling about the situation, um, about kind of giving yourself space, you know, others have it better off than or worse off than I do. Mm. And 
I, you know, I, who am I to complain about this? I'm not the one going through this situation. And so there was a lot of like holding um, space around yourself, holding yourself really accountable for being uh, that person who was going to take on the weight of all these, all this stuff that was happening in the family. Um, and that anxiety seems to have kind of waned in a way. And I know we've talked about all sorts of things. What do you think in that process has helped you to kind of release some of the anxiety and give yourself some space? How have you helped name what you're going through? Um, that's a good question. I think for me, it was, you know, it was, I think just labeling anticipatory grief and understanding what it was all about, I think was a game changer for me in terms of releasing my anxieties. Because as we put, and, and you know, again, the session that we had where I was able to identify what I was really deeply anxious about and sort of reading, reaching the root cause of my anxiety, which in my case was, you know, my deep-seated fears for what was going to happen to my mom. And, come, and, and you know, when you reach that point, you also, real, to me, it was realizing that, you know what, even say, even if the worst happens, I know I'll be okay. I know that I have the tools to survive and to get on, you know, with my life if something happens. Um, I mean, we are still in the struggle. You know, we are still hoping that everything is all right, that my mom gets the life, you know, the life-changing surgery that she needs. But for me, it was just that realization that, that I have it within me to manage even if things get even worse. And, you know, since I started therapy for you, unfortunately, you know, with you, unfortunately, in the last three months, um, I've had some real life grief as well, not the time that I was imagining with the anticipatory grief. It, you know, uh, three months ago, I lost my, uh, you know, my, my most precious family dog. Um, it happened fairly suddenly. Then about eight weeks later, I lost my grandmother. Um, again, you know, two people that I was just, it was just, they were so precious and so dear to me. But I think a lot of the work that we did and a lot of the, um, you know, releasing a lot of the anxiety that I had associated with um, with death and sort of, you know, what comes with it, um, it helped me process and deal with all of that a lot better than I believe I would have otherwise. I think one of the um, terms that I always smile about when I think of you, um, because it seems to have given you an aha moment is when we've talked about magical thinking. <laughs> Um, yes. yes, absolutely. <laughs> this idea of, you know, uh, the slight fantasy that has been fueled from our, I guess, our child ego state. And um, yes. and I think somewhere in there, naming a lot of that magical thinking has been a really uh, big part of the process. Um, I know with your dog, we had, um, with Belle, it was, wasn't it? We had uh, a really yeah. powerful session around the photograph and what it meant to put a photograph of someone yeah. or a loved one um, in, in a frame in the home and, and how that had had such a weighty kind of um, impression on you, your whole childhood. And then now you're able to have that picture by the front door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um maybe just you know quick background on that you know when we started when we started talking about it I, I remember you know I'd shared with you that you know I had I had lost a great-grandparent when I was around five six years old and since then you know anything associated with the, the you know the Hindu rituals around death which included you know the flowers all around you know people are bringing marigolds and jasmines and roses and um and you know and framing photographs and hanging flowers and photos and I think 
because I was too young when that happened and I wasn't able to process and understand, I think it left me with a very deep-seated fear of anything to do with death. Um, you know, even till date, um, you know, the combined um, smell of these flowers, you know, anyone bringing these flowers, any of these three flowers close to me still makes me feel a little nauseous, you know, and, and, and it's clearly a psychosomatic reaction to what I had faced all those years ago. And and same thing, you know, I would I I couldn't bear to look at, you know, a framed photograph of someone who had passed away. So after Bill had passed away and my sister, in all her affection, had you know, had put a photograph of, of our precious Bell out in the hall. And and a lot of that trauma came back to me in that, you know, in those in those following days. And and I wasn't even able to walk past her photograph without feeling, you know, a certain amount of fear or, you know anxiety and 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 all of that and i think as we worked through it you know and and and, and i didn't even realize you know we had we had one or two conversations about it and i realized that by the third i think by within about two weeks i was you know the the photograph had stopped making me so uncomfortable i was able to you know when i went down for a walk i was able to bring a flower back up put it in front of a photograph and for me that was Huge. And I remember Manisha, when I was telling you about it, I didn't pick up on the significance of it until you pointed it out. She's like, you know, you've come a long way in the last, um, in the last two, three weeks. And that was to me like such a total aha moment. And, and then consequently, when I lost my grandmom a month after that, I was, it was almost a relief, you know, when, I mean, and I was there when my grandmom had just passed away and I was part of the rituals. I was, you know, I was there with the family and it was such a relief not to, um, you know, not to have the flowers bother me. You know, the the flowers were all over the house. My grandmom was in front of me, and 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 I and I know that it's because I conquered a lot of it when we, you know, when when I went through therapy, that I was able to comfortably handle that experience and and be of some support to my family. Versus, I imagine having completely shut down and you know, shut shutting myself and locking myself in the room. Um, so for yeah, for me that was just um, it was an amazing breakthrough after being like that for more than 30 years, you know, and, and having those thoughts and feelings and anxieties around just death. And it was just, for me, it was such a release uh, to be able to go through that when, when my grandmom passed away and not have any of those um, associated anxieties. Yeah. Wow, thanks for sharing that. And, and that's actually something I'm not aware of because we haven't spoken as much recently. Yeah. A, a powerful stroke to the process of therapy and, and, and what's come out Absolutely. of been doing um such so such powerful sort of work to be able to acknowledge where the fears were and what we've come through and in the process I can really see how that anxiety gripped you right at the beginning like that just seems to have dissipated um and I think it's so important it's such a brilliant example of how processing and dealing with what we're going through naming it allowing ourselves to feel the things that we think we should not feel um and you know not comparing ourselves to others but really being okay with being where we're at and processing where we're at um it's just been such a, a an incredible example of how that journey really helps us on the path to grieving um yeah. so thank you for sharing that it's so important to give ourselves that permission and the freedom to grieve and i think that yeah has been the biggest takeaway for me in, in this entire grieving process, the permission to do things the way it works for you and to grieve yeah. in your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just really grateful to have the time and space, which in retrospect, if I had not taken this break from work, 
um, I would not have been able to deal with what happened in the last three months in a way that felt right to me. And and though I had taken the break for different reasons to spend more time with my mom and be with her, um, you know, these two, lo- you know, having these two losses in this space in a way was um, was was good for me because then I had the time to, you know, sort of be free and, and you know, and grieve in the way that felt right to me. And, and most importantly, like you said, giving myself the permission to do what I needed to do, which I feel like maybe in the different circumstances, I'm, I may not have done that. So for me, that was, you know, the best part of this entire process. Thank you, Manisha, for sharing your personal journey and being so candid. Um, Manisha, do you have any uh, last piece of advice for our listeners? Um, I think the uh, it's important to acknowledge that with anticipatory grief, um, it doesn't mean that we're giving up on our loved one. Um, it means that we're expanding to accept that there are other possibilities and we're not holding on to a rigid kind of worldview of, of what we hope will happen. Um, so it allows us to accept that limited time or to make the most of the time that we do have instead of pulling away and regretting it later. And I think um, what I really wanted to add at this point is that, you know, through therapy, there's so many options of, of how we can begin to process grief um, or, you know, not through necessarily just through therapy, but, you know, doing things like yoga and meditation Um, dealing with our discomfort, making conscious choices of how to name our feelings um, and that it's not weak to sit and feel grief or there's no shame in it. Um, It's actually a really healthy process and it's not something that, you know, we're necessarily competing with somebody else to feel or not to feel. Um, I think it's the idea that no one has the same fingerprint. Um, We just like, that analogy, you know, nobody grieves in exactly the same way. And so embrace journaling, embrace meditation, embrace art and yoga and embrace spare time to sit and reflect and be with yourself, because these are the steps that are actually going to bring us to a place where, um, you know, we're, we're going to be able to start processing what we're going through. Reach out to a therapist if that's what you need. Um, so, yeah, that would be my sort of takeaway from from this journey that we've been on together, Manisha. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Manisha. That was quite insightful. Thank you, Manisha, again, for sharing um, your journey with us. I think as you were speaking also, I picked up on a, a lot of things that I think I want to take with me on my journey and also when you spoke about your dog I had tears in my eyes it was such a beautiful thing I think to be able to take a flower and you know mm-hmm. put, him, uh, yeah. put it for him so thank you and we hope to see you soon again Thanks. thank you this is Mind Your Mornings with Anna Chandy a fortnightly podcast that takes you on the journey to a brave new you